Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. In today's Conscious Awesome show, Justin Frank Polgar and I explore identity. I know you're going to dig it. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can track all of our podcast episodes as well. Follow us on Locals, consciousawesome.locals.com. It's where the community drops in, cross-pollinates. It's where we play, host live streams, host our videos. P.S. This was originally recorded as a video, so if you want to see us, like, with your eyes, then check out the video over there. As well, I encourage you to stock up on lots of high-vibe chocolate because times are uncertain and weird and you want to have a big storehouse of chocolate, of adaptogenic chocolate, on hand. YesCacao.com. As well, why don't you nab yourself a copy of Danny's latest book, Pop Propaganda, an Illustrated Guide. It was written for teens and grown-ups alike. It's going to blow your mind wider open. You're totally going to dig it. Enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. It works. Amazing. So I'm I'm entrusting you. Uh, Thank you. I feel the responsibility of being entrusted. You can be a trustitarian, a trustitarian. Oh, that is the word, a trustafarian. That means, oh yeah. I thought I was making a play, but I guess that is a play. A different kind of play. Rasta, Terry. Did you see that's my- something to, Oh, sorry. But that's something to explore, the etymology of trust, because it, like what it means to trust someone and then a trust, trust yeah, fund. That's definitely bookmarked that. Maybe we can have a trusty, a trusty guest. We can have like a fiscal languaging conversation big one yes i'm excited for guests to be clamoring to come on already i think we have some so many actually um trust you're entrusting me to edit record we're recording we're recording well done you're already winning so love has already won beep Yes, yes, yes. Hello, Conscious Awesome, and welcome to episode 11. Such a magical number! 11! It's our, it's our first master number show. It is. Here's to many more master number shows. Yes to that. I trust in the master numbers. Danny Katz, my co-host, and myself, Justin Polgar, are here to explore... Conscious, awesome, everything. Specifically today, we're going to deep dive into identity. 
T, identity, and how that relates to Conscious Awesome. So without further ado, Danny Katz, welcome. Thank you for welcoming me, Justin. I just noticed the way that you enunciated identity. You can't say spell identity without I. (laughs) (laughs) There's something very tied in to the I in identity. This is such a, a fun concept because it creeps into so many conversations. It's the underlying it's the underlying set for a lot of our perspectives, a lot of our, our who am I, know thyself. This is a really important base and foundational layer to cover for Conscious Awesome. Absolutely. Especially since Know Thyself was one of our first collaborations. And it also like thyself, you know, I think of that capital S feels so much larger than identity and how often our identities get in the way of us actually knowing our capital S selves. And how beautiful when our capital identity lines up with our capital S self. And I think the journey, the journey of that is being aware of both. It automatically happens. Would you be open to elaborating on that? Yes, I am open and willing. There is a, the the sense of I and identity is tied into ego. Mm -hmm. No good, no bad, just ego. And ego is a super important ally in this journey. Can also be a super challenging nemesis. Can serve both ways. Uh, Best if it is serving you, not you it. And... As far as the S, capital S for self, I see that as my, my, guidance, my guidance of self, the uh, potential that I am in this moment in all times, calling to me and beckoning me, nay, coaxing me on my path to, uh, to enlightening. As okay. A, as a two... To, to enlighten, no enlightenment, no past tense, no destination really. So how do you see your own, where are some areas where your identity is in alignment with your highest capital S self? I'm gonna just go with the yes on that. Mm. I'm gonna go with the yes on that because I've organized much of my doing uh, through checking in with my with my kinesiology, with my I muscle test, I listen to my guides, I ask, I ask my guides, I pull cards. I'm in dialogue with the invisible yet still sensational forces that are guiding me. Refer to uh, episode seven, Guides Rock. Yes, which will be dropping after this and after- soon. <laughs> No, and still soon. <laughs> We're, we are enjoying the nonlinear here as we, we remove our training wheels and just fly. That's what we're here for. Yeah, we've extricated ourselves from the imposed construct called linearity. Yeah, it is not governing us. We are pretty self-governed. We are. Re-episode nine that just dropped sovereignty. So uh, where are some areas where I feel in alignment with my, my identity and my self? 
Um, you know, one of the things as far as alignment is allowing my identity to be secondary to self, allowing yes. my identity. And I know we get into spaces of, uh, of discovering and finding hierarchy and where those serve us or maybe don't serve us more often than not don't serve us. And in this case, I find that it really serves for myself to be in the hierarchy of my identity. I'm that speaking makes sense. around. So that right. And A, I appreciate you using the hand, the appropriate hand gestures for hierarchy. <laughs> Don't feel in the concrete of it. And I also like that it sounds like you're prioritizing your devotion to your higher self over your identity constructs. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we come, I actually I took a course in, in university called The Politics of Pleasure. And it was going through and examining where, you know, the relationship between pleasure and pain and how there's an assumption that human beings or that our ego um, will opt for pleasure over pain nine out of 10 times, maybe 99 out of 100 times. Yet there's so much juice in the temporary pain for elongated pleasure, uh, where I feel sometimes in taking the path of the self, uh, we have to counter our identity. In general, I recommend, and I, I like to myself, counter and question my identity, especially when I have a preference that I'm really feeling strongly about. Mm -hmm. um, case in point, just a couple of days ago, I, I had a, an interaction where, oh, I'll just go into it. Zoe and I were walking by this pond that had fish in it and a bunch of rocks and I was holding or I was walking with Orion and uh, I, I kind of, I just let Orion, he was close to me, but I, I wasn't holding his hand as he went down the stair and it's a little pair. It's a little, I should, I could opt for more caution, but I felt good about it. And uh, we got into this whole dialogue about whether or not I, he's coordinated enough or, you know, how, how to protect him when he's going in these kind of precarious uh, walking journeys. Because sometimes on regular flat floor, he falls flat on his face, you know, like he'll try and turn on a dime because uh, he's still getting used to his human form. I mean, I am too. Uh, and so we got into this conversation and I felt so strongly identified with my freedom to let my son walk without me holding his hand. And, you know, it probably took me about 15 minutes of being so st like stubbornly like, no, no, I, I need to let him experience these things. And I realized I was being so preferenced about it. It wasn't actually me like, trusting myself or taking sovereignty. It was, it was an ego-based sovereignty or needing to be right about it mm -hmm. and just being open to being, and it just, it was a beautiful lesson both for both of us and for Orion in that, yes, I trust my, I trust my, my fathering and knowing when something is more dangerous to, you know, to, to guide and to protect. Um, and at the same time, it's a very easy thing for me to be, to hold his hand in an area where it is more, more, there'll be plenty of opportunities where I won't be there to hold his hand and he'll get lots of opportunities to, to learn his lessons in his so body. 
how were you able in this instance to identify that it was your identity that was being triggered versus like an authentic fatherly knowingness? It was a questioning. I was, I was feeling really, I just noticed first, I noticed that I had this kind of rage or entitlement about being, about being right and how important it was that I hold my ground. And it was a physiological, uh, um, it was kind of overwhelming me. I was actually dictating what I was thinking was this feeling of, you know, reptilian brain kind of reactive. Um, and then that instigated a questioning of what am I really holding on to here? And it was, am I holding on to being right? Or am I actually wanting to forge more connection with my partner and thus actually make a safer space across not only his physiology, but his emotion and his uh, Orion's emotions and just feeling safe in general in mm -hmm. the house. So there was this, there was an aha just through the sensation awareness question. And then the question was a prompt and it happened pretty immediately. Mm -hmm. So that's my, that's an example. Do you have a, you have a follow-up question? <laughs> Well, I'm curious to know what identity constructs you've relinquished and like what, how, how the relinquishing of those identities has up-leveled your yes. Well, in, specifically in that case, it's, it's definitely a relinquishing because there's, there's not really a destination. There's not an end point. So there's a, mm, I'm just a Hawkeye on my identity sometimes even too much sometimes where I, I won't allow my, the positive, the light of ego to shine through. Uh, that's like when I'm being hard on myself for no reason, for example. And that's something that I, I consistently chip away on. Anytime that we find ourselves saying, um, I'm not good at this. Um, or like just, there's a difference of saying I'm not good at this. And there's a difference of saying that and saying, there's a lot to learn in this for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a different posturing with that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just Hawkeye about my, my identity and seeing where it's creeping in, where it's governing. I mean, I, as a, as an anti-authoritarian presence, I think you, you probably have this experience of being you mean very, as a sovereign presence, as a sovereign presence. Thank you. <laughs> as a sovereign presence, I imagine that you are also very sensitive to when you feel not sovereign. Yes. I, I am very, very sensitive to that. <laughs> and that actually is a, that's a great indicator for me. That's a red flag of I'm, I'm identifying with my identity. Yeah. More so than myself. My, my capital S self is confident in knowing that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be when I am there, when I'm here. XYZ. Mm -hmm. So it's a using language to speak about this is a challenge. I'm glad that we've taken up in this moment. And a lot of it has to do with being in the dialogue of body and really knowing your ego, befriending the ego so that you can know when it's out of line. It's the same way that we call our friends in when that's necessary. Yeah. I think the body piece is really key is noticing when 
you know, if I'm, if I'm talking about ideas with people who believe differently and noticing when my heart starts beating or my voice gets higher and just noticing like, oh, I'm really identified with these beliefs and these thoughts. And even though there's, you know, there might be a part of me that's like, but I'm right. It's this, you know, it's that clinging that's like, is this helping me? Does this feel good in my body? And knowing, um, knowing that my preference is to hold my ideas more lightly and, um, with more space between them. And when I'm, when I'm fighting that ferociously, that, that there's an identification there and that my ego is tripping out. It perps there when, when there's a perversion of, of your body integrity. Excuse exactly. me. Exactly. Exactly. Like when I'm, yeah, when I'm not in my center and when I'm losing my shit and when I'm really angry, it's like, yes, the, the mind, the ego can come up with all these reasons why the other person is wrong, but I am in charge of my vehicle. So if my vehicle's off, then I'm probably identified somewhere. There's also a yes and opportunity in the, in the self-inquiry where it's instead of, but I'm right, it's yes and I, I feel differently than this person and this person is yelling at me or being, you know, this person is communicating something to me that I don't, I don't agree with, that I don't agree with, ID. It's almost like we're we're in this language coding where I think we're being, we're being explained to, uh, or more so our self is telling us through language when we are too identified with, with ego and with identity. Totally. And I also like, I see it. Um, like when there's that, that emotion behind it and that like I'm fighting for this thing, then I'm also lying to myself, you know, because if I, like I've been having this conversation with myself over the past week as I'm in the process of relinquishing, you know, some rather large pieces of my identity, which is like, does truth need me to defend it? No, truth just is. And I look at, you know, when I'm in conversations where you know, someone is claiming, you know, up is down. And I'm like, no, down is up. Or, you know, like, whatever it is, if I really believed it, then I wouldn't be losing my shit. Then I would be solid. And, you know, look at, like, with Orion. When Orion's like, you know, I'm the president of the multiverse and you have to do what I say, you're not like, no, I don't, with any sort of you know, emotional freak out. You're just like, okay, like we'll play this game, you know, but no part of your internal landscape is going to be tripped up because you're not allowing a, a one and a half year old to dictate reality. So I'm starting to notice that like when my ego is getting really identified, it's because it doesn't really believe it. Like it's pointing to some different distortion where I feel like I need to fight for something. That's Does that powerful. make sense? That totally that resonates as well. Not only does it make sense, it really resonates. And that's a great example of, you know, when we get triggered or when, when we're feeling that rage of like, no, I have to be right. It's, yeah, 
if I put it in the, the context of I'm talking to Orion or I'm just talking to some being that I love unconditionally and I trust that I am, I am where I am and I, I'm, I can have my preferences. And that's another thing with, with identity. Identity is made up of a beautiful matrix of preferences. And preferences are not set in stone. Preferences are designed to evolve and uh, you know, preferences are not, they're not unshakable. Identity isn't just preference though. I mean, look at, you know, we're in a culture that right now and in the past few years has been shaped by identity politics. So it's these like little checkbox of like woman, Jew, Italian, Aquarius, you know, and these things that cordon us off into these different like smaller fragmented pieces of humanity and just create separation like psychologically, emotionally, energetically, and even physically in the brain. So some are, I mean, it's, it's always a choice what we're going to identify with, but some of them are these things that like we're allegedly born into in this, in this incarnation. And then some people, you know, really cling on to them. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think in some cases, this is where identity can, can serve us in some ways. So we have the sense of tribe. It's, I think going, uh, you know, some people hold their tribe as, as their immediate family or their relations. Some people hold it as a wider community. Some people are more nationalistic. Some people are, are more connected to all of the humans on this planet. And then there's the people that are like, but what about all the other beings? And then there's planet planetists. Maybe, maybe there's planetists. <laughs> Everyone here on this planet, all beings are part of my tribe. But as soon as you get out of the stratosphere, watch out. I mean, ultimately, ultimately there, there necessitates division in identity. Identity exactly. requires division. And as Saul Williams so eloquently says, separation is man's greatest illusion. A million percent. And it's where all the, I mean, it's the origin point for the conflict and the pain and the isolation and the violence, you know, like for the past few years, I've been examining, um, like how we're communicating and where, like when an argument when a conversation will flip into an argument and like, what is that, that moment where it shifts? And from my examination, a hundred percent of the time, it's when someone identifies and separates when there's an us, them like stake put in the ground. And then of course, like you mentioned, the lizard braid comes in and like, okay, if I'm, if I'm the them in your us scenario, then I'm not safe, then I have to armor myself, then you're the enemy. And that's where it all just kind of crumbles. <laughs> what, what do you think, is there, an, is there somewhere where a separation um, or, or that type of scenario, because we're, we're, what am I asking here? I'm really, I'm wondering, what are we protecting? Is there any, is there any time where it's worth protecting? Not when it's worth, but what are we protecting? Uh, when we well, put our stake in the ground. We're protecting an illusion of separation. We're protecting an old paradigm notion uh, that we're in competition, that there's not enough to go around, 
that there's lack, that there's limitation. It's like old, we're protecting an old, outdated worldview and paradigm and perspective. That's, that's my take on it. So what's the conscious awesome conversation look like when two people are checkboxed differently? There's, is it finding, I guess it's not relegated. It's not relegated to uh, only talking about certain topics. It can be a discussion of anything where the two people are remaining open or maybe more than two people. I feel like in my experiences, the checkboxes, it's the identification with the checkboxes that is the issue. Um, yes, all of our checkboxes are going to be different. You know, it's just, do we lead with them? Am I wearing that, you know, on my wrist like a bracelet or am I not bringing it into the conversation because it doesn't matter? Because it doesn't matter. And, and it's just my sense sense my perspective is that we've been engineered these past few years nefariously you know manipulated to lead with these check boxes to identify them to wear them you know as these like mantles of of pride or marginalization or excuses or like whatever um to separate us and it's not working i feel like from the conscious awesome perspective is not to look at and to lead with all the ways that we're different or shit upon. It's what is our Venn diagram of crossover? Where are we alike? Where are we aligned? Where is our alchemy of, you know, optimal co-creativeness, optimal fun, optimal play, you know, it's where are we alike? Um, and that, that means putting aside the identity constructs and coming in fresh and blank and curious. That does change the, things. That changes things quite a bit. If we start with our, our collaborative Venn diagram, then the other pieces can be spoken about or brought in with way less charge, way less charge. Right now, the charge is what's leading. Um, and it's difficult to see. It's difficult because I'm, uh, I mean, I know you and you have, and I also have had experiences where a dis, a, a, just a, a shift or a difference in opinion is a moat and a wall. And it's like, wait a second, we have, we have this whole history of friendship and we have a disagreement about something. One little iota and that, is riv that's putting a whole a ravine between between us then i'm like well what did we have here what was the glue in the first place that something like an opinion or a preference or an identity can create such apparent um, seeming separation it's challenging yeah. it it can be challenging i mean i i feel like it's inviting this giant paradigm shift like i told you before we hopped on today that i had reached out to a friend who we were in a band together and we used to make music together. And I reached out to him last week about making music and his response were these like links to, to political ideas. And I was like, this isn't, you know, I, I picked up the phone. I was like, this is actually not our Venn diagram of crossover. Our Venn diagram of crossover is like play and music. So 
if there's something you want to talk about, we can talk about it. And that I'd really like to prioritize that. And yesterday I had the experience of, you know, I've, I have historically been very identified with being a rebel and like noticing that part of the way that identification has wielded, wielded itself is in declaring when I don't agree, declaring when I think something is wrong. And I've been questioning that recently, like, what is that about? Why do I need to do that? And yesterday I went to the natural food store that I don't approve of. I don't like how they're handling stuff, you know, and I've been very vocal about it. And when I've gone in, I've, you know, been difficult. And yesterday, you know, it's, it's right near my mailbox place. I saw there wasn't a line and I was like, ah, I'm going to try it. How's it going to go? And I really made a point of going in and like, it doesn't matter what I think of how people are handling it. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that whoever I am engaging with, that I respect their humanity, that I engage them compassionately, and what I think and what I believe in my identity is so irrelevant. And it was really smooth. And all of my human action interactions were totally pleasant because I left my identity outside. That's, that's awesome. I'm proud of you. I'm yeah. proud of you for that leaving your identity in the parking spot. Thank you. It reminds me a little bit of what, of places where people gather with, with a, with a single interest or a similar interest, like Burning Man is an easy one where when people go to a place where there's still the same people that are arriving, but there's a shared intention of we're here for play, for fun, for passion about something specific. I had this experience a few years back going to an Italian car show and uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience. It was in Monterey. And I, I mean, it, it's like a, an art gallery, basically, of all of these people who have these deep appreciations for these vehicles, all different. You know, and then there's all the little tribes of, of different preferences for different brands. But the amount of synchronicity that I experienced in this place that I would generally judged to be not conscious mm -hmm. was such a beautiful reflection to me mm -hmm. because everyone was focused on the Venn diagram part. Right. I even bumped into Jay Leno and took a picture with him and had this nice exchange with him. And there was like this, everyone was the same. Everyone was meeting in that same passion for beauty and art and the, uh, the accomplishment of making metal into this thing that you could drive. I mean, it was, it was a very, I got into cool conversations and I hung up my, my hippie at the door and all of my, oh, but this and that and whatever, whatever. I don't even really identify with those things anymore. Pat myself on the back for that. I think we get, we get, we get to congratulate ourselves and to, to be proud of ourselves for undressing those layers constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. Like it expands my joy. Like it makes my life, the more that I unidentify, the more that I enjoy life and the more fun that's available to me. Well, that's an easy yes. Such an easy yes. And I feel like what you're saying about the car show 
and and the parallel that you made to Burning Man is it's also like because it's a it's a constantly shifting game. What am I going to identify with in this moment? You know, you meet someone and they're like, you know, there's a infinite realm of what you can tell them about yourself to to begin the relationship. At this car show, you guys were all gathered for this passion over these vehicles. So there's other things like hippie or, you know, being some, a media mogul or whatever, like those were all secondary to this genuine passion. And I feel like when people are gathered, you know, for joy, for passion, for all those uplifting reasons, not like to profit or get something, you know, that is when synchronicity happens. Yeah, it's so it, we have so many, so many reference points and so many recognitions of that's exactly when it happens, and yet, uh, and yet there, there's this knee-jerk reaction to need to claim an opinion, especially when we're learning new information. Um, and I've been seeing this a lot just in the last couple of months as people learn new information and then really want to share it. It's um, the the delivery of it is sometimes tainted uh, by, the, by the ego, by the I need to be right and like I need to defend truth and these things. So uh, I was having this conversation with uh, John Bailey the other day and we were talking about how if you're wanting someone to respect the things that you're saying and sharing, coming from a, coming from an angry place or coming from a place where you kind of seem like a crazy person is probably not going to accomplish right. what the, the overall goal is, which is connection. I mean, I think n most people can agree. We don't want corruption. We don't want, um, yeah, we don't want corruption in government or business or relationships or, or anywhere. Uh, but I also see, all, I see people who both who could be connecting in that, in that space of justice, of, of truth, uh, but clinging on to data points. And I, well, I heard this and where I know this and my facts mean this and my facts mean that. And there's just, it's almost, it's almost like the illusion, well, it's not almost, the illusion becomes more real than, than the reality of connection. And that investment in that part of the brain drives people further and further apart to the place where we we feel uh, we feel lost and I've had some times in the last few months of feeling of totally feeling lost and I know that I have like I have my people that I agree with and I can talk to about the things that I uh, that I think and then I have people that I don't feel like I can talk to about the things that I think because it devolves into uh, into an argument from a conversation to an argument, even if I am very actively bringing my conscious awesome to the table, it does yeah. take multiple participants. It, it takes people to both buy into that. Um, it does. It does. It's like we're, we're participating. And I feel like what's going on in this moment culturally is it's really illuminating where we're identified and places where, you know, again, I'll just speak for myself, like where I didn't think I was identified or I didn't realize I was identified are now really being illuminated in this particular cultural climate. 
I was having a conversation like, I feel like it's okay to go here. Stop me if it isn't. But when it comes to our president, I'm pretty neutral. Like sometimes I like stuff he does. Sometimes I don't. I don't have that like, he's the Messiah. He's the devil. I've, I've never been identified with a perspective on him. And that is one where you will see people's identities freak out so fast. Um, either their passion for, for loving him or their passion for hating him. And I mean, I, I had a conversation with someone the other day and it wasn't even like, I didn't, I didn't think what I was saying was provocative at all. It was just the mention of his name. And she just started yelling at me and it was like, I don't want to have a fight. Like I don't have a, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not, I don't really have a strong opinion here and I don't know why you're yelling at me. Um, but they're really strong identifications with people's opinions on, on him. I was thinking the same thing right before you jumped in. It's probably the most polarizing, at least in, in the U S right now. Um, and probably some other places in the world too, but more directly here. Um, and I, and I'm with you too. Like I, he's just a, he's a dude. He's a dude. He's a public servant dude. And whether I agree with what he's doing or not, how many people here, here's the thing. It's not, uh, there are people that are, that love and there are people that hate and it's not Trump that's making them do those things. You know, there's a, there's an interesting, that's part of the identification is I think there's the idea that it's my perspective there's we're a little frozen i don't know if that if that all i got a robot sound in my ear and then everything froze but i think we're back so there's the idea that the identity by connecting with my identity and choosing something that i feel strongly about is for me and it's my decision so often as you had mentioned earlier it's not actually it's actually more of a victimized role yeah, it's, you know, one place that I'm seeing it, yeah, because that's the whole thing. Like, there are people who are heavily identified with their dislike of Trump. And it's like, okay, I don't, like, that's totally fine that we have our opinions. Like, I don't like soy products, but I don't tack it on to anything that I'm saying about myself. Like, one place where I notice it, and I know you don't, you're not in this realm, but um, I'm on a dating app. And it's interesting because there's so few characters that we have to identify ourselves. And so it's interesting how common it is that people will identify themselves as like anti-Trump or no Trumpers. And I'm like, wow, with so few characters, like, this is such a massive part of your identity that you're gonna include it in your profile. This is how you actually define yourself to strangers is by your dislike for our president. I just find that fascinating. It's also on a, on a federal level. You know, there's, there are plenty of politicians that are closer to you, like your local politicians, your local sheriff, your, even your governor, these things are, are much member, your mayor. <laughs> yeah. And those are the things that politically actually make more of a difference in your day to day experience. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a collective, I mean, to me, I'm, 
it's confusing to me and I'm, I'm like, okay, this is just some strange wave we're going through. Uh, but to identify, like, it's funny with the dating apps because I, I catch wind of these things from friends. Um, I've also heard, I heard this week that people are starting to put in their limited spaces um, that they have antibodies. I've tested for, I've passed the antibody test for. Wow. For, yeah. So the one that I find that that's so super common on dating apps as an identifier is sarcastic. And I'm like, wow, that's so interesting in our culture that that's like something laudable. Like the, my predilection for insincere communication is something I'm going to lead with and also use as though it's a selling point. And that is so common. Interesting. Yeah, this is really, I mean, it's pretty much off of my radar. Right. I mean, aside from when I hear about stuff like that. And yeah, I, I, I wonder what, what happened to the days of, these are the things that I like, right? In a, in a profile, it's like, I like long walks on the beach. Like what's that like kind of, I have in my mind like 80s or 90s, like your little, in, on the newspaper, you know, M seeking F. I like to play sports and go on walks on the beach. I don't like tuna sandwiches, but I can make a really good one. You know, it's like what, that kind of, we're, we're, we're meeting people or we're selling people on ourselves by, by virtue of our, our identity. Or and it just seems it just seems like it's more real. Um, seems like it's more real right now because so many people are in the identification game. Yeah, I um, I went. There was a period of time where I was um, engaging a lot of women who um, it was like a virtual thing, and um, part of the culture was introducing myself. And when I would introduce myself, I'd be like, I'm, I'm devoted to truth. I love floating in open water and I love dancing. And it was often reflected how like, it was so odd that my introduction didn't involve my job or like my family structure. Um, and I just felt like well, I'm trying to give you an idea of my essence and like what I actually am. Um, but that was often met with like, oh, that's weird. I wonder where this is going. I mean, we can kind of, yeah, we can imagine um, where this type of division through identity can lead. And I, I mean, I'm hoping this is, we're at the end of it because I've, you know, when I watched the, the identity politics really take hold, I was just like, this isn't going in a good place. And I do feel like where we're at, this, this polarization is the end game. I'm hoping this is like in the Tao Te Ching where it says something gets bigger before it goes away entirely. That's my prayer with identity is like we're at pinnacle separation consciousness as we're moving into unity, as we are embodying and living into unity conscious. I'm saying that to, to close any perceived gaps in time. Thank you for, for the attention to detail there. We're welcome. <laughs> uh, Zoe and I talk about this uh, as far as the world that children are growing up into. And, and she constantly, you know, she's pretty fond of saying that the next generation 
she she hopes at least will have less need for labels because it's almost like there will be so many so there's just each person is recognized as their individual and accepted uh part of it is that you see so many different so many things that are different from you you know there all of the um like the he she z them they it's it's so many things to keep track of that eventually we're we're in our mind about it so much that we're not actually connecting with the person well and it's also such it's a self obsession like it's very it doesn't allow us to connect with others when i'm all hung up on like how you need to address me and what my pronouns are versus like not giving a shit and just wanting to get to know you and allow you to express freely with me. You know, it's, it's so much like me, 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 me. It's really weird. It's funny because I kind of see it like, like name, like our names, like oftentimes people will call me Jason or Josh or uh, Jeff. I actually get Jeff a lot, which is interesting. Um, and I, uh, I'm like, oh, it's, it's Justin, or maybe I don't correct them. And I, or I say, yeah, any J name, I'll probably turn my head. Uh, so I, when someone calls me by the wrong name, I'm not upset about it. I'm not like, you've done me an injustice pun, pun intended in that. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, that I think just framing it in a way where it just doesn't, it doesn't mean, you know, we're, we're meaning makers as human beings. Um, and, you know, to each to their own, you know, everyone is in their own experience of it, finding themselves, learning about themselves. Um, and I'm, I definitely don't, I'm, I don't want to shame people for being on that journey of self-questioning. Uh, you mean of not self-questioning? Or of, of not self-questioning. Or there's this I mean, is it, it is a self questioning, but it's, it's small s self. It's small s self. And it's also small s, small s like cementing and giving it more attention and giving it more validity. And I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice when we do that. Like we're missing the point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clear to us. I think we've talked about this before. It seems like that's missing the point. Because even at the pinnacle of the smallest point, it's still a very small point. Exactly. Like, great. You've, you've got your small S like perfectly drawn and like perfectly marked in. It's still the small S. You know, like, oh, go it, ahead. No, please go for it. You're on a roll. Well, what was popping to mind was just in the past few years since this identity thing has kicked off, we're all have it's usually men will say, well, like this will resonate because, and then they'll talk about like some girl doing something great. Or I'm thinking of like being at a restaurant and asking about for mezcal recommendations and having the waiter say, well, like this is distilled, you know, at a women only, you know, mezcal place. And I'm like, I hate that shit. I really don't like that stuff because it indicates to me like that that person is separating themselves from me in their mind because of that programming. And then I'm only going to resonate with things that are in my little cordon off cage. I really don't like that. <laughs> I don't I, respond hear- well to that. <laughs> I'm hearing that. I'm hearing that. Um, 
Yeah, I'm so like, they, I just want the best mezcal. I don't care if the people who made it had vaginas or hooves. That's not, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, there, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. Um, kind of avoider in a way. Because we want to talk about the essence of something. And we're talking ar around, it's like, well, these are the attributes. You know, it's like, um, I think the same thing with food and all the certifications, right? Uh, great that it's organic and it's gluten-free and it's this and this and this and this. Um, but like, I want to know the essence of this food. Like the person that was growing this, did they love the process? Are they putting like, I'm, I'm just more interested in that. Um, I have, actually, I, because this is relevant because it happened this week, we did our reveal uh, because we're having, Zoe and I are having another child. We're having, a, we're having a little girl in September. A girl child. So exciting. I can't wait to be just wrapped around her little pinky. I just, I don't even know what's going to do to me. I can't wait to take her shopping for bat mitzvah dresses. <laughs> <laughs> or, a ben, or a bat mitzvah suit. Exactly. Or, a bat you mitzvah know, ensemble. Ensemble. Right. There's a, you know, there's an interesting conversation there because it's so often called a gender reveal party. And I have this, like, I have an interesting pushback around that. Well, A, I think it's more fun to call it a sex party. I mean, you know. It is a sex party. Totally. It is. It's I a sex that. party. Or it's a genitalia party. You know, because it gets party. people to go, wait, what? Oh my God, dress accordingly. <laughs> come, come to the Zoom accordingly. Uh, so there's this conversation around, uh, and I had some awarenesses of it this week because I'm, I'm, in the conversation of this reveal we're revealing whether it's a boy or a girl or how you know how the baby's going to come out in in what sex they're going to be and when i was i was going around the gender piece uh it seems to me that the word gender has been co-opted it's been taken away um from its it's meaning from a long time for a long time it has meant male or female or maybe sometimes there's other um like check boxes or usually it was just male or female and then now it ha it kind of has to mean all of these other things and these other possibilities and i and i was like why take the word gender and make it mean something else why not just make a new word or make some new category because now when you say gender, or when I say gender, I feel like I have to explain more. Like when my cousin, my cousin was applying to, to universities a couple of years ago, and I think there were six different options for the UC California application process for gender. And it's like, it, it just seems like it's overcomplicating things. Hi, I'm, so I'm, a, I'm a person that would like to learn at this university. I, I mean, I, we know that I think this is ridiculous. Like, if you're a, call yourself whatever you want. You know, like if you were born with a penis and you feel like a woman, then just call yourself a woman. That feels so much simpler. Like my friend Tasha and I were talking about this because she's like more of um, what you would consider like a, like a more butch lesbian type. 
but she's like, but I'm just a girl. Like, we're just different types of girl. Like, like I'm a girl who likes to dress like a boy. I'm still a girl. Like, it's still in that very clear, I have two X chromosomes. It's so simple. There's like two X chromosomes and there's an XY chromosome. And everything else is like silliness. So what's the word for that? Is that gender then? Or is that I sex? Mean, I, I don't agree. Like, I texted yeah. you during the thing. Because I, <laughs> I was like, that. I don't agree with this. But I feel like that that's a thing. Like, I've always been a tomboy. I've always been a girl. You know, now I like wearing dresses. But growing up, I was a little girl who didn't. To create a whole different category is to separate myself, create more fragmentation between myself and my human, my human family versus like, why don't, how about I'm just a girl who likes to wear pants? Like, I, it's just creating the more separation and the more distinctions is literally fragmenting our human family and that's not serving us very well right now. It's just finding ways to be different, be different, be different. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hear that. And it's, it seems like by taking a step back and, and looking at it by, I need to feel like I belong. So I'm going to separate myself. You know, it's right, like, a, exactly. That's not the way to do it. Like my, I mean, my stance on, and again, like when it comes to gender reassignment stuff, I'm all for freedom. Like I want everyone to do whatever they want. And going back to Occam's razor, it just feels so much simpler if you feel like you're a woman or a man and your genitals might indicate differently. It's simpler to just be what you know yourself to be. That feels simpler than going through all these like pharmaceutical machinations and cutting things off and taking hormones and like that just feels very complicated versus just deciding I am a woman and I'm my kind of woman. Yeah, there's a, I need to do this in order to belong as opposed to just, no, no, you belong already. Exactly, exactly. Um, can I pause really quick? Because it looks like the chocolate is falling out of the machine. I'll be right back. Okay. Second time like that's happened oh. today where the chocolate jumps out. It's not behaving today. It's it has not different. yet. It's behaving differently where it's not tempering itself. It's going from not ready to, to not ready without the middle part. I feel like a lot of it is marketing. It's just like a way to sell more stuff. If you have more boxes, then there are more markets to sell. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing. And, and we're, we can look back, like we have enough collection of history to think about how that's been done before in different ways. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a challenging time to be 
in dialogue. Ah, clear, cancel, delete. It's a very, uh, it's a very diverse time. It's a very diverse time. And uh, yeah, I don't think that there's like a right answer with identity. It's more, do we engage and how do we engage with, with identity so that it's serving us as opposed to how do we engage with identity in order to achieve some type of I belong. That's a, yeah, it's the small S self. Mm. I know for me, and then I'm having edited enough of our shows. Now I get that like freedom seems to be a theme. Oh, we talk about freedom a bunch. We do talk about freedom a lot. Yeah. There's just more freedom in unidentifying. So when I'm not, you know, when I don't have allegiance to being a Democrat, a Republican, a woman, an atheist, like whatever it is, then I have more freedom to change my mind on a moment to moment basis. And that's just more fun. Yeah, that's more choice, more options. That seemingly gives less, uh, it's sometimes uncomfortable for people. I've noticed as someone who likes to be, have an open mind and be able to change my opinion, it's uncomfortable for people who are counting on me to validate their perspective. It's so uncomfortable. And I'm, it's, I'm just realized this when you said this, it's like, I think a lot of people, like I was told by an Indian mystic when I was in my early thirties that I needed to get married. And I was like, why do you see something that I don't see? Will it be a more formal foundation for my life? And he's like, no, you make people uncomfortable. You will make other women will be more comfortable around yeah. you when you're married. And I, I do think a lot of people's identifications exist just to make everyone else more comfortable. Nothing has freaked people out more than the fact that I'm not left or right, that I'm not Republican Democrat. Like, they don't know what to do with that. It's really scary for people. Yeah, I, I think it's funny how many people just project on me that, oh, well, you, you're this. And I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, it's, it is interesting that like for people who are comfortable in boxes and cages, how threatening it is to engage people like you and me who are, have liberated ourselves from so many of those and they just don't know what to do with that. The dichotomies are not here to, to rule us. Um, can I pause one more time because I have to pee and I want to wrap up without having to ship me around. Totally. Please hold. <laughs> Let the record show that it's 2.22 on May 22nd. I think, I think that came through. That is the moment of our break. Ah, and there's my reminder. I always have more than enough money. You, the audience, also always have more than enough money should you decide to make that declaration and you, Justin Polgar, I'm so stoked for you to also affirm that you always have more than enough money as you do. Okay, I'm done talking to, to nothingness, but the 222 is so exciting. I mean, 22, it's the gene key of grace, the city of grace. It's super magical. I just got to chill. It holds all of the coding for the 
different realms, the different or multiple dimensional selves. It's a lot of mojo in the 22. All right, I'm, I'm really done talking now because there's other stuff to check while Justin's going to the bathroom. Mucha mejor. I left you a surprise on the video while you were gone. Oh, good. That's exciting. I'll <laughs> see you when I edit. Yes, you will. <laughs> so, um, oh, so much better. <sighs> so, uh, let's just, let's maybe wrap up a little bit and talk about where it is that identi identity serves us. Kind of like, Where's the seed? Where's the benefit? Identity is here. It's part of existence. So there is, there is a way that it can be our, our ally. Okay, why don't we just popcorn our identities that work for us? Like, I'm courageous. That is part of my blueprint. And that is a piece of my identity that I feel like well, sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I feel like overall it serves me. Yes, I see that. Um, being a yes man, I'd say a lot of people call me yes, Justin, and as well uh, being a chocolate maker. Those two, those two pieces seem to be how people at least tell me that they remember me. You're the chocolate guy or you're the yes guy. Um, and both of those things, I... I feel like they've served me. I've also created them to serve me. Right. Um, I'm an enthusiast. I like, you know, I have strong Jupiter in my chart. So I like being an enthusiast. Uh, my thing with words that I have a, but, and that one can, I can, one of the downsides of that being part of my identity is I notice that people will become self-conscious of how they're speaking around me. I don't, I don't say anything. I don't, I'm not in the habit of correcting people. Um, but I see where that's something in my identity that can have, have that effect on people. Yeah. I noticed that, uh, not because I, because I feel actually a sense of freedom in my words because I get to be more vigilant about catching, catching. I think it's more fun. I mean, it depends on if you're someone who likes to have fun with your shadow, you know? Um, I'm also, I identify with someone who is a good ear, like a good sounding board. Um, I like to hold that space for people. You know, to, you need to like work something out or get another perspective, reframe something. Um, 
identify as, as being a helpful person yeah. um, in that way. And as well, uh, identify with being in love with spirit and just the invisible in the mystery. Yeah. I, I'm going to claim that one too. I got that yeah. one. <laughs> I am one. I've noticed that like, because I do so many things when people ask me what I do, I tend to not, I can be flummoxed and like, I don't know which one to pick, you know? And, um, I, the medicine showed me in some ceremonies at the end of last year, um, that I'm a humanitarian. And I feel like that, that is a resonant identifier for me that I am, that I serve humanity, that it, that is my generalized attunement. What is, uh, what does Danielle mean or Danny? Your full name is Danielle. Um, it means high priestess. Oh. <laughs> Way to live into your name. Thanks. I do um, it again. What's, the, what's your full name me- meaning? Like I'm Justin Frank Polgar is justice free man citizen, which I feel like as part of my identity given to me is something that I've upheld and that is ingrained in in my identity well that's interesting because i don't um i don't know cats is short for cats and ellen bogan and i've i've looked it up and and i forget and i also have ambivalence around identifying with my lineage and identifying with my name because it feels so it limits me to this incarnational realm and it feels very reductive so I've, I've resisted the urge to identify too strongly um, with that. And which is all a very long way of saying, I don't know the answer to your question. <laughs> um, popcorn style. I am someone who has amazing house karma. I identify yes, with someone who has amazing house karma. You do. Big time. I'm someone who... Uh, it's surrounded by a lot of magic and a lot of um, like a lot of um, invisible support. Yes, I witness you. I witness that from you, and I I I continue to be in the wow about it. Usually, when we talk, <laughs> you tell me some miracle that happened. I mean, like on the regular. So, yeah. Yeah, magic surrounding. Yeah. Did I tell you how my stuff miraculously arrived, at, was delivered to my door? My, all my possessions from LA were delivered to me on Wednesday? And they arrived. They arrived. And the, the Yeska cow sweatshirt as part of that? Uh, that's being that's mailed. Sent. Okay. That has been sent. Awesome. Magic. Yeah. Magic working for you. Magic abounds. Um, I, I also identify as a, a very familial person you are very familiar and i learn i feel like you're my family teacher like understanding what that means and how to do that i get that from you i really admire your familial um connection devotion how you prioritize that and when i when i was last time i visited you and your parents came over and and ben was there like it was just so nice. I was like, "Oh, right. I get why he why he has this family devotion because his family is amazing." I, I'm very lucky. I also I consider myself a really lucky person. Yeah. 
Yeah. Here's a weird, here's a weird one. Some people identify me, you know, cause I'm a dancer. I dance a lot as flexible and yet growing up as a gymnast and a dancer, I feel like I'm not flexible in those realms. So it's also interesting to see how identity is subjective. I feel like most people will, will recognize me or identify me as someone who's flexible. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, for a person, but not like an athlete. <laughs> There's part of your identity as, as well that I notice is the, you know, kind of not wanting to give yourself too much credit in an area where you're actually very talented, you know? It's interesting. I, I have a similar thing where I'm, I'm quick to pat myself. I mean, I'm, I'm slow to pat myself on the bat for something on the back for something that I really, really like to do. Is that an identity or is that a pathology? Mm, I, mean, <laughs> I think that there's, there's a Venn diagram with that. Right. Right. And maybe yeah. a, a weakness, a muscle to be strengthened. And for I, me. I, I think that this is a this is just a fun exercise. I didn't know we were going to do a little popcorn. And I invite I, I invite our listeners to do a little popcorn either with themselves or with someone that they want to play with. I, I want to say, like, I feel like one of your identities is like a superstar. I'm thinking of all. I feel like you shine so bright, and I'm thinking of all the times that like I've been with you, and you walk into a room, and everyone just starts applauding. <laughs> I mean, which time are you talking about? It's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, that's so funny. Um, thank you. Yeah, that's, um, I don't know what that quality is, but I know that Orion also has that. It's like a sparkle. Like, it's just yeah, like, something. You, you shine super bright. A lot of polishing on this genie's lamp here. Yeah. Yeah, I... I think this is a conversation that's going to prompt a lot of thought for me um, in where, where is it that I'm identifying and where is that serving? And there's something too about focusing on those pieces being an attractive model and a magnetizing model for other people who are also focused on their positive identity traits or the things that they're, that they identify with. I mean, I feel like, I'm I'm really good at that, uh, magnetizing people who are, who are like like-minded or curious and adventurous in their consciousness. One that's popping to mind, and I know that we're wrapping up, so like I'll be super quick. And having spent like a big chunk of my twenties and thirties traveling around the world, I made a conscious effort to unravel my identity as an American. Mm. And like to be more of a wild card. And I'm noticing now that I'm perceiving our constitution is threatened, how I'm coming back to, to taking pride in being an American and, and that, how that identity construct is being fluffed up a little bit right now. I'm also in that, in that space of, of having traveled quite a bit. Uh, and also the time of my traveling a lot, uh, you know, being, uh, a lot when George W. Bush was president and totally. the Iraq war, like all of that happening. And I felt, I would tell I wouldn't even tell people, they say, oh, are you from America? I say, no, I'm from California. <laughs> now, 
now it's interesting because I do have a sense of identity with constitution and yeah. And with this amazing opportunity that is the groundwork is the, is the group, the blueprint for something that has been at times and can be amazing. Uh, this yeah. concept of America. And yeah, I feel much more proud to be an American. Whereas before I would really shy away from it. It's interesting. Same. Same. Yeah. I'm glad that I have availed myself and that you have availed yourself to just examining these things. I really think that patriotic is the new conscious. Oh, I like that. Yeah. There's I something really about like that. that because I want to feel into that a bit. Yeah, that's, a bold, that's a really bold statement. I know. I know it's taking, I still feel a little bit of, I haven't said it with my hundred percent yet playing with it, playing yeah. with it. Patriotic is the new conscious. Uh, I'm play with that too. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's also the thing is if you're, you can obviously live here in America and not be patriotic, but then that, that also gives us something to be paying attention to. Where is it that we don't feel resonant and what are we doing about it? Yeah. You know, totally. not like pointing what are, what it's because of them. No, no, no. What are we, what am I doing? What can I step into? And for me, that's how I kind of got into this awareness now where I, I am proud to be an American is what can I do about it? Huh? I can take responsibility. Okay. Wow. I live in a place where I have, permission i live in a place that has announced that i have inalienable rights what a blessing that i can even have this inquiry is so american you know there, there's something about it that's very well yeah and that you and i can be as sovereign and and unidentified as we are um has absolutely been bolstered by growing up in a country that has founded you know was founded on freedom and where we have been allowed to be so free and how that has shaped so much of who I am and how I speak and, and all of it is really shaped by being free. Amazing. Amazing. This opportunity. Let us, let us embolden this opportunity. Um, I was going to say, let us not squander it, but that's a little too. I like the positivity. I like the positivity too. Yeah. I like being rallied better. for something. Yes. For peace for connection, for consciousness, for our audience and their consciousness and our togetherness, one only one. I've had some better exits, I have. And good chocolate. <laughs> oh, and good chocolate. Um, that's good, I feel like my identity awareness at the moment has expanded and is now coming back together. There's a little bit of an uncertainty into how it's gonna take form in the next few hours, I'll let you know. Yeah, let me know what identity constructs you let go of next. <laughs> yeah, the, may you undress frequently and with grace. Yes, aho. Aho, thank you listeners, thank you DK. Thanks Justin. Tune in next time for more Conscious Awesome. Woo! Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest and remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. 
We'll see you soon, tribe. <laughs>